All right, everyone, welcome back to Squid Talk. Today we have a big guest. I've been really excited about this one for a, li- for a while. Um, James DeMoulin from the School of Hard Knocks. Um, this kid has interviewed a huge list of people that are extremely successful. So I feel like I'm going to get to learn a lot about these people through him and also about him and his story. Very excited to have you, bro. Why don't you do us a huge favor and uh, give us like a little backstory? First, I guess, where where did you come from? Where did this entrepreneurial spirit come from? When did that start in your life? And then kind of lead us into like how this entire business started. Because I think this is not only something you know, really cool for you to do, but something that's going to help a lot of people has helped a lot of people. And uh, I want to give everyone a chance to get that introduction to you. Absolutely. First of all, Lucas, thank you so much for having me on the uh, the podcast today. I've been a big fan of your content for a while Thanks, as well. Bro. And uh, yeah, I'll just kind of give a background on myself and kind of how we were able to build this uh, media empire that I like to call it uh, to where it is now. Uh, my name is James Dumlin. I'm originally from the Washington DC area, born in Northern Virginia, moved around a lot as a kid. I lived in South Korea from six to 10. My dad ran the largest overseas mil- military base in the entire world in Camp Humphreys, which is the city. Uh, it's the military base in Piantech in South Korea. So I grew up from an early age. I saw my dad leading tens of thousands of people in the military. So never was a business person by any means and has never been an entrepreneur. But at the same time, it's like he instilled a lot of those values of discipline and leadership in yeah, me from the early age that I saw. So when I moved back to the uh, the DC area, I lived there from about 10 to 18. And one thing that I'll note about being from the DC area is that it's a very structured city. It's very centered around a lot of government jobs, a lot of contracting. I tell people, it's like, if you want to go go into politics, go be a legislative correspondent, go work for the secretary um, or you know the Department of Justice, Department of Agriculture. It's like DC is the place to be. You want to work for a federal agency, you want to go, uh, you know, work in contracting, like you got to go to DC. That's the place to be. But at an early age, I was traveling all around the world. And I was realizing that the only way that you can really, you know, travel and have that freedom is if you do something for yourself. Um, At the same time, I didn't know what exactly it would be yet. I was very inspired by how my dad was in the military. I had wanted to go that route. Ultimately, the turning point was when my my brother, I'd mentioned to you earlier, uh, had won a world championship in Microsoft Excel. So he beat over 2 million people. And he realized at a young age that he had to protect himself from a business standpoint. So started to get really savvy with the business side of things. And throughout watching him throughout that entire process, I started to realize, man, and starting to see some of the opportunities he was getting into. It's like, there is so much uh, potential like in, in entrepreneurship and being that like he was moving to a great city. It's like, there's so much opportunity there as well. Um, Fast forward a little bit, I'd say around 2020, I got super heavily into content creation and realized that, you know, there's creators out there that are posting content about things that they love and they're finding ways to monetize them to really make like a full-time income uh, just po- by posting content. It's super mm-hmm. simple. And I went kind of all in with that. It was super consistent and ended up growing my like personal TikTok to like 800,000 followers in about a year. I had one month where I went up like 300,000 followers. That, so. That's a, that's a crazy rise that early. Yeah. Usually there's like a huge... Um, Grow, not not even the exact opposite of a growth spurt. Yeah. It's like, it, it takes a long time for you to figure it, it out. It does. But when you first started, sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but when you first started, was it like, a, I know what this is going to be? Did you have everything in mind of where you wanted to take this? Not or at were all. You, you just not like, I all. just like talking I, to cool people and I want to record it and well, hopefully somebody else. So, so this is my like personal channel that I'm talking about. So that was my introduction to content oh, with shit. doing my like okay. personal TikTok channel. Um, and, and I had a lot of success early on then um, and, and realized that the stuff that I was making, I wasn't like super passionate about. So I kind of had halted making content at that channel. And it was around the same time that I was getting ready to move out to Austin when my brother and I, and who is now our third partner, I'd 
we had seen a good friend of ours, Joshua Smith. So the, the channel of the School of Hard Knocks is ran by three of us. It's me, my brother, and our third partner, Josh Smith. We were all in the same Boy Scout troop together. We all became Eagle Scouts. And our dads actually served in Iraq together. We didn't even know it at the time, but he had pitched to us prior to us permanently moving out to Austin to go to school we should consider like doing something together. And, you know, we planted the seeds there and we, we realized that, hey, there's a lot of potential here. So my third partner, Josh, who had dropped out of school to pursue a digital marketing agency, he was entrepreneurial in that sense that he was running his own business. My brother had was being mentored by a CEO of a multi-billion dollar company at 20 years old, ended up doing his own thing. I was doing content. So we all had different skill sets. Yeah. I focused in organic content. Third partner, Josh, was uh, a lot of like digital paid marketing. My brother, Jack, was huge into like analytics. And so throughout those skill sets were like, there's something valuable that we could probably bring to the table. We figured we landed on content because the creator economy is projected to be a $500 billion industry by 2027. And you look at people like Shamath, the guy that took Facebook to a billion users. He says that content creators are going to be the next billionaires in today's world. It's a fact. And I fully believe it's digital real estate. So with that, we created a channel called the School of Hard Knocks, where we were just making content about business among the three of ourselves. So, you know, we grew it to about 25,000 followers where we were talking about lessons of other entrepreneurs. And this is just us making the content, telling some of our own stories. But we quickly realized that as three young 20-year-old kids, people don't give a shit about you talking about business. Now, can you do it? Sure. But it's like, we're not figureheads yet. Like, like you need to really establish yourself and build that credibility. We had a ways to go in our career. And that was the humbleness and understanding that is I feel like what really helped us build this thing. And so we realized that one thing that we're great at, we're not afraid to approach people or, or go start those conversations. And so we love to network and, and build relationships. And I'm a big believer that no matter where somebody comes from, their background or what industry that they're in, it's like, we have something that we can learn from everybody. So we started the channel just going up to random people uh, around the street in downtown Austin. We go to the wealthiest areas in the city, the financial district, you know, Westlake Hills, like, and really just having conversations and we just make interview and do content out of it. It's just, it took off. It really did. And, and that enabled us to grow the channel to over 2.3 3 million followers now and been able to, to interview people like Mark Cuban, the president of Nike, the CEO of Frito-Lay, Grant Cardone. I saw the president some, of Nike one. Yeah. That one really like touched my heart a lot. Yeah. Because I love Nike. I, I mean, my business is right. the same industry and everything. And, um, and I think, I think the concept behind like your brand, what you guys are doing is so special because everyone wants to learn about like how to get to the level of the people they admire. Right. But a lot of these business people, entrepreneurs, um, uh, anyone that's successful, like a lot of people don't like to be in the spotlight. They don't like to share, you know, their habits, their tricks, their best advice. And you're providing the perfect outlet for them, right? They don't have to fully, you know, go in and expose themselves or anything, but you're, you're asking them the right questions. You're showing it to the right people. I feel like a, a big part of your audience is probably young individuals, right? Who, you know, aspire to be successful. And so they, they love watching these guys that you're interviewing. I mean, I love it myself. I, yeah. every time I see your face, I see your, your channel, whether it's like a, a YouTube short or a TikTok, I, I pause and I watch it cause it's interesting. Um, and I also just want to say like the fact that you're working with your brother is sick yeah. because I, my business, I don't know if you know, this is with my cousin and he's one of my best friends. And I think it's such a it's such a special thing when you can like partner up and essentially in a way go into battle with, you know, someone you love and someone you've grown up with and, and trust most right. of all, because business is shady sometimes like people fuck each other over and yeah. it, it can get, uh, it can get, um, 
violent in a way. And and a lot of people will, will warn against that and advise not to like go For into sure. business with like friends and family. But it's like at the end of the day, it's like if you know that you are morally sound people, that you guys at the end of the day have each other's best interests and that like if everything were to fall apart, that you guys would still be able to have that relationship and love one another, then that's that's the most important thing. You know? 100%. And I, I think a lot of people do get into a bad partnership with someone, whether it is like a family member or a brother or, uh, or the same thing, family member or like a friend or a peer because they create that partnership based on the relationship and not on their actual skill sets. You know, it sounds like your brother was a stud already and you were like, okay, this would make sense even if we weren't brothers. It just so happens that we are. And then that's what makes the relationship so special. And it also kind of seems like you being, you know, the marketing, digital marketing side of it, you're kind of the face, I'm assuming, right? Like I always see you're the one interviewing yep. people. Would you say you're kind of like the Steve Jobs and he's like the Steve Wozniak and are you, you him and the other partner are like the behind the scenes guy? Yeah, absolutely. So my third partner, Josh, handles a lot of like the back end things. We also have an agency as well. So like a lot of the entrepreneurs that we interview, we do, uh, we build personal brands for people. Mm -hmm. We've been able to scale. We've generated the three of us over 900 million views in the last three years. Wild. So it, between Hard Knocks, my personal accounts, and we've ran some other accounts that we've scaled to several hundred thousands of followers. So we've done over 900 million views. So um, my third partner, Josh, is primarily back in fulfillment my brother jack does a lot with like sales and then um and then i'm primarily like face i do all like the media and stuff like that so that's great you need yeah. people for specific things so many people try and do something on their own they try and go at it solo because i heard this great expression the other day so many people want 100 of the grape but they're not they're not even interested in the idea of having half of the watermelon yeah. you know what i mean and yeah. like you really are going to succeed and have a much better chance of success and it's a lot more fun when you have partners that can do what you're not good at and you guys can all balance together. Um, but that brings me to my first big question. Um, and this one hits home to me, so I'm curious your experience. When you were first starting this, you said you were uh, like 17, 18, when you first started content? Yeah, 18, yeah. Did you receive support or criticism, hate? Um, did people talk shit when you were first starting, before you had views, before, like when you first made your, you know, few dozen uh, videos. Absolutely. Videos. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's the thing is, and that's some of the best advice that I feel like any content creator can receive is just to like not get discouraged from other people. Um, I didn't really, I think, directly receive anybody come and tell me that, hey, you're corny. But I 100% know that indirectly, I'm sure in some group chats, like people were like talking, For sure. talking some crazy shit. But at the end of the day is it's like, as long as you can just like think bigger and realize that it's like, views and all that results that you get from it, it speaks for itself. And I was just always a believer that like, I, hey, I've never met a hater that's doing better than me. And any, any, and, and any like actual person that's like hating on you for like trying to like build something for for trying, for getting out of your comfort zone. It's like, bro, they're going to be stuck in a box their entire they're life. They're a loser. They are. <laughs> they're a Absolutely. loser. That's, so, they, they have so much time on their hands that they want to like, they want to watch your life and criticize you. Right. Because they can't criticize themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And so like with that, I would just say, um, I definitely did receive it. Like I said, not directly because I wouldn't have like tolerated nobody like putting down like what I was doing. For sure. Um, but I 100%, you know, know, know that it was out there and it was noted. Um, but I just, again, I would just, that would just inspire me to just do more, to, to just be more consistent and just build more um, and realize that like, I I've always thought like bigger picture. And that's another great thing too, is like, because I traveled so much, I've always viewed things from a global lens instead of like a narrow view. A lot of people in my home state, they never left Virginia or they never left the DC area. And because of that, it's like, they just, they never really were able to think outside of that. And to me, it's just like, 
no, I could always go bigger. I could always do more, you know, the, the people, a couple of people tweaking in, giving their, their feedback and maybe it's negative. It's just like, I always was able to block that out. What, what about, what about close, um, close people in your life? direct friends, family. I know you said your dad was huge military. Yeah. What would your mom do? My mom, so she, uh, at the beginning of her career, she went to UT, graduated. She was exercise science. She was actually huge into fitness. Like she was on magazine covers all over the world. So she was doing that, but then she started to get into where she would train like really big, uh, whether it be like special ops, military people. It, she trained like David Robinson, or who's like a, a hall of fame basketball player. So she trained like really, uh, big groups of like people, athletes, special ops, military people. So she was primarily in like fitness. And then as her career progressed and she kind of got out of that space when my dad was in the military and she was still working, she would work on like kind of like health promotion. So she would work on like campaigns against various cancers or stuff like that. So your parents are both very ambitious in their own fields. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Were they supportive of your You know, I, I, I have it's to- a very, it's a very new and, uh, I mean, social media is a very new concept. A lot of older people um, can't understand that like you can somehow make money off of like making videos and stuff like that. So what was that like? Absolutely. It's just like you said, they they don't understand this concept that like you can actually like make money from your phone, but but you actually, you really can. And um, at the beginning, initially, they were very hesitant, especially that my brother had kind of left the job with Bucky's where he's, you know, is set up to make multi six figures at, 21, 22 years old, right out of college, have that security, have those benefits. And it, there were definitely some times in our household where they were like, you know, kind of like, what are you doing and all this and that. But we had like a burning passion and a desire for what we were doing and to really go all in on ourselves. And what you realize is that you only have the ability to take those chances and risk at an early age. Because sure. the older you get, the more responsibilities you start to settle down. It's like, you don't have that ability. And it's a great point is like, we were just with Justin Waller in Miami. One of the things that he said was, is someone was asking him about how, you know, they're like, hey man, I'm 38, I'm 40. I've got like two kids. I've got like a, a wife and a family, but like, I really, I don't like my job and I, I want to go do my own thing. And, and the advice that Justin told him was like, I'm sorry, man. I don't have anything to tell you yeah because it's true man like it's you kinda, to a certain it's not point, too late but yeah. it's hard it, it's really hard right it isn't too late and, and 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 i would agree with that but um you get to a certain point where it, it is a lot harder and so i think um by us just really we made a lot of sacrifices as far as like how we decided our time like we didn't go out and that's the thing too is like a lot of people think that you can't necessarily do like college and entrepreneurship we were both living proof that we could you know we built, you know, profitable businesses while in school, we just, we gave up the partying, For we, sure. you know, and that's, that's the thing is it, you just, you have to sacrifice. I think I like, let me know your opinion of this. I like to think that you can only prioritize three big things mm-hmm. at a time. Um, one of them. And so like, if you're in college, one of them would definitely be academics. One of them would be health and fitness. Yes. And then a third one would be uh, whatever else you want. Like for me, for example, I did, you know, my fitness was really important. So I was like training, doing jujitsu, working out all the time. Um, and then I was also very social. So I did get to go out yeah. and I was also building a business and a social media, but I had to give up academics. Like yeah. I didn't show up to class or do any of that. Um, I didn't have like a girlfriend and that would have been a huge distraction as well. Right. I like to think that you can really only have two or three main priorities and you're going to have to, you know get rid of something. Like you can't have a girlfriend, work out, 
you know, have a successful business, hang out with your friends, go to class. Like you just can't manage all those things. You can't. You have to pick your priorities. And if you are, then you're just, you're going to be so much weaker in in all those areas. And that's, that's why focus is so important, especially like in business. But like, if you try to, you know, do a bunch of different things, like you're going to be maybe okay at all those things. Whereas it's like you said, if you can dial in at like two or three things and you put your focus there, then you're going to really be able to build and be so much better at those. 100%. And I'm even trying to get better at that myself because- I'm sure, I'm sure you get this all the time, but I have, I'm, I'm not even near as big as you in terms of total exposure and total time in the industry, but I have so many people reach out. Like I have this business we should work on and I, I want to do this and I want to do this. And you, I got to say no to a lot of opportunities that seem really cool and enticing because at some point, like you just got to, I've been told over and over, you got to focus on like one thing and, and really hone in on that as opposed to like trying to build several things at the same time. I'd love to think that I can, do what Elon Musk is doing, build multiple companies at the same time. But this early on, I feel like you do really need to focus on one thing, get really good at it and give it your all to see if that can succeed. And that's obviously what you guys have been doing. It's, it's going very well. Um, so you go around and you interview extremely successful people. It seems like a lot of them actually uh, don't happen to be in the social scene. Like they aren't well-known, they aren't um, famous or, or public is there, is there someone in particular that you think is like the most, uh, who, who's the most famous person that you've ever interviewed or met? Mm, I'd say from like an entrepreneur perspective, maybe Mark Cuban. Yeah, um, I know Grant, sure. Grant Cardone has over 16 million collective followers. We sat down with him. We went out to his Miami headquarters and spent some time with him out there. Um, I'd say the two of them right now, we have some really big people lined up like in the near future as well. But I, th- I think them two right now would probably be maybe like the most known people. And what were, what were the main takeaways from that? I can only imagine because I think I think Mark Cuban, he's probably one of my top three, I think, coolest people yeah. that I would that I would like if I had to pick idols or someone I look up to. Mark Cuban's for sure one of them. What was like the biggest takeaway from from him? Learn how to sell. Learn yeah. how to sell. And, and that's the thing is, is this is so important um, beyond just being able to sell like a product or service. It's knowing how to sell yourself. So for example, like Gary Vee can walk into any company's headquarter and close a $50 million deal with any company because he's Gary Vee, because people buy from people that they like. It doesn't matter what industry you're in, what you're selling. You could be selling cars. You could be selling paper clips. It doesn't matter. Like bro, people are going to buy from people that they trust and that they genuinely like. Same thing with Elon Musk. Elon Musk can walk into any major tech headquarters and take Takes, take it over because yeah. because of the, the brand that he's built himself. So being able to learning how to sell from an from an early age, and that's the advice that Mark said. Like I asked him, like the advice that he tells younger self, and it was like be a salesperson, sell and learn everything you can about business early on, um, just because it's just gonna. If, if you know how to sell, man, you're you're gonna be set. You can take everything else sure. away from you, but you'll be able to build it all back with that skill set. And I think I personally think I think you'd agree with this as well. The best way to sell yourself today is by having a personal brand. Yes. Because like opportunities will just come your way when people know that you yourself are a product. You have leverage. You have you huge have leverage. leverage. And I'm a lot of my content is trying to encourage other people to make content too, because you don't need to be famous. You don't need to, you know, have hundreds of thousands or millions of followers. But even if you have like 10, 20, 30,000, and it's a really great audience of people and you're providing value, like you are playing a really important role. And it's so much better than like a, a LinkedIn, for example. Like that's, I fucking hate LinkedIn and I want to make a company to take them down one day because I just feel like it's so outdated. Yeah. Everyone lies. You, you can't actually get a, a real read on someone. But like if someone brought your name up and I was like, I want to you know learn more about this guy, I could 
probably find out everything I need to, all the important things, just from seeing who you are, how, how you carry yourself, um, how you speak. I mean, it's, it's clear that you're like a great salesman. Um, and it's because you've built that personal brand through social media. So I think that's like one of the most valuable things you could do today. Um, as far as getting good at it, I think you gotta, you gotta start somewhere, right? Do you feel like when you first started making content, were you good at it? Did it come naturally or was it just like absolutely atrocious, super cringe? You know, um, it's funny cause we'll look back on like all of our old videos and we'll be like, like this is some dog shit, like genuinely, but that's the progression and you learn and, 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 and you just continue to double down on what works and you continue to like innovate. You know, that's one of the most important things, especially about with like what we did with Hard Knocks is that I would say that we were, cause we started the channel back in 2021. So we were kind of some of the early pioneers in it, like pioneers in like the street interview Dude, scene. 100%. Yeah. I remember I saw your videos back uh, towards the end of COVID and yeah. now everyone does it. You have like the car guy, you know, goes up to the car, as yeah. have, uh, so he, so I, I'll give him his dues. Daniel Mack was 100% the original one. However, oh, really? okay. the one thing about Daniel Mack is that that's purely entertainment. Like yeah. if you watch a Dan, if you binge watch Daniel Mack content, you're not going to get a lot of value. And so that yeah. was one thing that like, I was like, you know, like we can go up to people in cars, we can go up to people on the street. Um, but like, let's really try to find a way to provide value to kind of serve as like a mentors at scale. And that was another root of why we created the channel was that we were very blessed with great mentors. I mentioned my dad, um, was a very successful uh, military officer, you know, retired as a colonel. Um, my uncle had exited a company for three and a half billion dollars. So like wow. I had great mentors. You didn't mentor. tell me that, that's why. Yeah, I had a lot of great mentors uh, around me in my life. Uh, and and that's the thing is a lot of our peers didn't have that where we were from. So like a big thing. In, and plus, if you look at, you know, financial literacy, there's just a big lack of it in schools today. They don't teach you the difference between owning and renting a home. They don't teach the, the importance of maintaining good credit. There's a genuine lack of it. And that's an industry that if you can find a way to innovate, build some sort of platform in that space, I think that there's a lot of money to be made in financial literacy. Um, and especially, you know, it's, it genuinely, there's, there's a, there's a big problem with people. They go to college, they have no idea what they want to do. They get out in the real world and, and they're, they're lost. Yeah. So that was a, a huge root of kind of like why we started the channel. Dude, that's great. And I, cause I think, yeah, being an entrepreneur, it can be so lonely and isolating and, you know, you might have like business classes in college, but I, I'm sure as you kind of experienced yourself, they don't teach you a whole lot about entrepreneurship. Um, the coursework is pretty basic. Yeah. It's how to work for someone. Mm -hmm. And so it can really be like intimidating to become an entrepreneur or try doing something on your own. But yeah, 100%, like your content gives a shit ton of value because it really gives you like some, some, some deep information on how to get good in certain industries. Um, whereas some of the other guys are, are more entertainment, like you said. I know Noah Kagan is another guy he's that great. I've recently yeah, seen. He's, awesome. he's in Austin here too, he is, right? Yeah. He is in Austin. Awesome. Yeah. No, he's a stud. Um, so that okay. I want to know where did the name come from? Yeah. Like so, where did how did that come? So man, we were, you know, brainstorming uh just over over like a week, I'd say. It wasn't like an overnight thing that came to us, but you know, we we were like let's, how can we come up with, so essentially the school of hard knocks is like learning life's hardest lessons from other people. So like, what are the lessons that people went through on their career in the professional uh, field or whatever they work in, whether it was real estate, it doesn't matter, tech, uh, but like, what are those lessons that they learned that they'd be able to pass down? So like the school of hard knocks, you know, like, you know, being able to kind of learn the lessons in life from yeah. other people, you know, because that in itself, it's like, you're interviewing someone who's got 20, 30 years experience. He's exited a company for $50 million. It's like that person has so much untapped experience 
expertise that can be given to other people. And another thing that's interesting too, is a lot of people will ask us like, why don't you guys necessarily only, you know, post like really, because we've got to the point now where it's like, we've, if you land like a Grant Cardone, you can get just about any sub celebrity entrepreneur that you want, but I will always love the grassroots style of just going up to have conversations with random people. It's something that I will always do while I'm still doing the interviews. I mean, I don't know how much longer that will be. It'll be for a while. I love doing it, but you just, you know, things will come and go. I have no intention of stopping anytime soon, but I just, I love that style because we've been able to meet some fascinating people, people that have sold companies for over a billion dollars. And, and that turns into relationships. And that's a big thing is like, we are huge on the people that we meet, we get their contacts, we go get lunch with them and we really find ways that we could potentially work together. It may not be now, maybe it could be, you know, I'm helping them out with something now, I'm helping them out with content or, or doing something now, but really big on providing value for people. And that's a big thing as far as like networking goes is a lot of people don't realize that the only way that you're gonna be able to stay in, cause it's it's one thing to like get in the room, but like to be able to stay in, it's like you have to find a way to provide value for people. Cause otherwise if, if, if you're in there, bro, people, they're, they're, they're not gonna wanna be around you. And, I, and I've learned that just from being around on various groups of people and just different levels of people that like if you don't like if you're just there to be there and to just consume and take up space bro you're, you're gonna be out of there real quick i yeah dude that's that's a great point because i saw this i saw this alex Ramosi video yesterday and it it resonated with me he was saying like a lot of people will hit him up and be like hey man i'd love to work for you for free and alex Ramosi in his mind is like same thing with me i have a lot of kids that hit me up they're like yo i'd love to work for your company for free yeah. i just want to learn i'd be like all right well i'd love to not have you work for me because <laughs> it, it's going to take up more of my time or, or your time or Alex Ramosi's time to teach someone how to do something. You need to figure out how to bring value right away. Um, and you, he, what he said, his perspective on this, his reasoning behind his response was me coming into your life makes your life way better. That improves, that gives you a huge advantage. You coming into my life doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> so I feel like if you are going to try and find a mentor or, or connect or network with successful people, you need to have some way of providing value. And it's, it's even like this podcast right here. Like if I were to hit up and you know, some of the guys I've had in the past, some of the guys I plan on having on, if I were to hit them up or if I were to DM you, I'd be like, yo, do you want to talk on the phone for two hours? Just talk about life and business. Fuck no. Like People don't have time like that. But if I say, do you want to come on the podcast? That provides value to you because you get to, you know, everyone loves to talk, but you get to like expand your personal brand. You get additional exposure. So if you are going to try and connect and network with people, you have to bring something to the table. I think that's a great point. How many people would you say you've interviewed in total? Over a thousand. Over a, Over a thousand. thousand. Yeah, because not we don't necessarily like post everybody, um, especially as the, the channel's gone on. Like our standard- we Post of, the best ones, for sure. Yeah, our, our standard of content's just gotten significantly like higher, but I've easily interviewed over a thousand people. No question. Is and there, we're, and we're, I was gonna say like, we're super efficient too. Like we'll go to Los Angeles for like four days and like in one day we make it like 20, 30 interviews. So we're, we're very efficient and we're, we're like very go, 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 you know? Is, is there one person or experience that sticks out most in your mind where you were just like, wow, that was a cool guy to meet? Or like, wow, there was one video I saw the other day about, uh, I, I don't remember the guy's name, but there was one that I saw that I was like, this is the coolest interview I've seen that you've done. Yeah. Um, he had AirPods in, uh, Hispanic looking dude. He, I think he said he he started a company. Uh, I'm trying to remember the dollar amount because maybe that would give you an idea. But I, I guess we'll go back to the original question. Like, is there anyone that you've interviewed out of the, you know, over a thousand plus people that have stuck out the most? Well, 
Um, that's a great question. Um, I can tell you like one funny story that we, we did have, we, we were doing a YouTube video where in like Westlake Hills, which is like one of the wealthier neighborhoods, like in all of Texas, it's in Austin. You got guys like Michael Dell, Matthew McConaughey, uh, just really big people that like live in this community, co-founders of multi-billion dollar companies. And, and one of the houses that we went to, we went up to the door, guy comes down and he's in a Versace robe. And this guy's in a compound, like he's in a massive yeah. house. And you just and do door knocked? Door knocked. Okay. Door knocked. He came out and we ended up doing like a full 15 minute interview, like on his Porsche. That's this sick. guy's brother had, it owns the Texas Rangers, who's in the World Series, and then the Dallas Stars. He uh, owned like a broadcast uh, radio broadcasting media company that he sold uh, for several hundred millions of dollars. And he made like over 50 million in one year when he sold it. And he did like the entire interview, like in his robe. And he, I found out later that he's actually a partner or he's a partner. He's like on the board at like YouTube. So that was a, that was a crazy experience. Um, and that's, that's the thing is I go back to, we were talking about this earlier about like when you do decide to create content and you find your niche, you have to be an innovator in in whatever niche that you're in. So like for us, for example, when we started doing like street interviews, we would, you know, it, that's where it started, but it's like, okay, now that everybody's doing it, how can we be different? So then we would literally just walk up to people and not even give them a pitch, but just start asking them questions. And then yeah, you guys go, have a great way of asking questions. Yeah. It's not, that's the one thing I've noticed is, is you guys don't say like, hey, do you mind if we take a second of your time? It's yeah. kind of like right in. Yeah. It's like, hey, we do interviews on how to be successful. I'll give you the pitch right now. Yeah, yeah. What do you say? So, excuse me, sir. My name is James. I go all over the country. I'm based in Austin, Texas. Just asking people a few questions on their advice to the younger generation. We grew a channel to over 2 million followers. We'd love to ask you a few quick questions for the channel. Yeah. See that? Yeah, that's such a great pitch because most of the time, 99% of the time, when someone comes up to you, it's asking you for something, right? And it's like, it, it, you just like, get away from me, right? But that's, you know, I feel like a lot of successful people, they do actually want to yeah. give back and share their information. So if you pitch it right. They do. And the pitch is extremely important too. It's like, if you go up to somebody like, kind of like, sir, sir, you know, like 100%. you, you got to go up to them like confidently, like, like, like that you have like an agenda and like yeah. that you want, you know? So that's the thing too, is it's like, if, if you're, and that's, that's, with sales, that's with anything. It's like, like confidence is like super important in that regard that like, you have to be like, you know, very like established and like clean with like, whenever you're going to like ask someone for something. What's your, I have a two part question. First, what's like the rejection percentage? Do you ever get someone that's like, no, fuck off? Absolutely. It depends on where we are. It depends on the city, the environment. So like when we go like door to door, like houses, you know, even people uh, that may, you know, would do it in the street. It's a lot harder to like go to their home and do it. Um, they so give I'd, you a look. They're like, yeah. can I help you? Yeah, they're like, like, can I help you? Or like, like, what are you doing? You yeah. Know? So I would say, uh, and uh, the cities also depends too, right? Because you go to like Austin, I feel like as a very, people embrace that here. They embrace the entrepreneurship. Um, but there's other places, like I feel like it's maybe a little bit harder in like a LA. People are a little bit more like reserved and hold off. They don't like to talk about personal money as much. Definitely. Whereas like if you go to Miami, like, people are going to be capping or they're going to be, you know, more than happy to, to talk about it. Um, so I would say when we're just like out on like the street, like in downtown Austin or Westlake Hills, like in like a shopping center, I'd say it's definitely a lot better now just because of like how much sharper we are. The one thing that does scare people is like the amount, like, cause we have to tell people straight up, like, Hey, we've got over 2 million followers. Cause we've been sent cease and assist letters to take videos down from people. Really? That, that's oh, wow. the thing, bro. A lot of times, especially older people, they don't realize how much reach these videos are actually. Why would you want to, why would someone want to remove like the interview you had with them? I don't know. So it's, there's, there's a lot of things that could go into it. People may not have been necessarily telling the truth or, you know, or people just 
maybe they were in a certain job where they can't disclose certain things or they, they closed a deal or they sold a company and they weren't supposed okay, to save the sense. amount of money. So like, that's where it comes from to where, and it's not even necessarily them, but it's like their attorneys or whatever it may be that it's like, no, you, you need to take this video down. So that's, that has happened. And so that's why we have to be fully transparent about like how many followers the channel has just because sure. of that potential of like them getting like legit global exposure that like, we don't want that to come back. And, you know, cause we've got DMs from people that's like, Hey, if you don't take it down, we're going to take legal action. Well, it's like, well, then don't, don't do the fucking interview. Yeah. For you know, sure. well, do you know who Chip Wilson is? I've heard, I've heard uh, the name. Founder of Lululemon. Okay. I just saw an, uh, a clip of him in an interview yesterday. I don't know when the interview was. It must have been recent. But apparently, like, Bloomberg did an interview with him. And in the interview, he admitted to lying to the SEC. He was like, yeah, back when I was the founder of Lululemon, or back when I was the CEO, like, I lied to the SEC to, like, get get us out of a lot of money. And then at the end of the video, then at the end of the video, at the end of the clip, the interviewer is like, what'd you lie about? He's like, that's all I'm going to say. And then it ends. And then there's like a, a, a thing that comes on the screen, some text that says like, uh, you know, a few days after this interview, like his legal team reached out to us and said that he was lying. Yeah. But clearly he wasn't. Right. They just were like damage control, damage control. Yeah. Like, how do we stop this from really hurting us? So I get it. It makes sense. But to, I was going to say just to like, cause I don't think I answered it, but like to answer your question, as far as like the rejection rate, it really depends. I would say if we're out in like the, the city or like in like the street, I'd say it could be anywhere from like 60 yes to 40 no or 70 yes to 30 no. There's other times it could be Pretty reverse. Good. When you do go out to like, I do like try to film like a houses video in like the hidden hills, you get in like a gate to where there's like $20 million mansions. It gets a lot harder. So I'd say yeah. it's like one of like every like 30 maybe that like you'll wow, get. So it's, really? and, but that's the thing is it's all a numbers game. It's all volume. And sometimes like you're making a YouTube video, you really just need three to four really good interviews. You throw some rejection in there and like you got a great YouTube video. Bro, volume is actually the secret the key to everything volume, whether it's volume negates luck yes, yes bro whether it's like dating media i mean bro i i post i posted over 4400 tiktoks i think i've yeah. made probably over 8000 i yes. only post like half them um and some people like hear about like the videos blowing up they go oh i could make youtube yeah. videos or oh, i could make tiktoks i'm like could you because I, I sit there, I make 20 a day, and then I pick the best eight. Yep. And people just say, that's why I also brought up like dating. People think like the first date they go on is supposed to be successful or the first girl that they go up to or guy, whatever, and like ask for their number. If it doesn't work, they give up, they quit. You need to do it over and over and over. The, every single person that I've met that's really successful says the same thing. And that's that it was rejection after rejection after rejection. And the ones that are end up, you know, the ones that end up succeeding are the ones that just don't care. And yeah. they're like, all right, you know, one, no, that's one. No. Now I have 25 more until I get a yes. You right. know, it's like a game. Yeah. I always say that going viral is like hitting the lottery, creating consistent content is like investing in your future. Yeah. Just like you said, early on when you're starting out, especially you need to be putting out, I'd say multiple pieces of content a day. When you, you get to a certain point where it's like, you can put out a video a day, but it's like when you're, when you're starting out, it's all, it's all quantity. And I always say, unless you're creating like, con like, Steven Spielberg, like quality, like content, you know, people that'll make like the films on short form. It's like, yeah. you have the ability to create, uh, to post a video like once a week or maybe like two or three times a week. I'm always striving for people to do more because of the quality of the content that you're creating. But it's like, if you're making like talking head videos or fitness content or beauty or interviews, it's like, you need to be early on. That's the only way you're going to grow. Cause these platforms are so saturated now. It's harder than ever to start and grow opinion or to start and grow a channel now in my for opinion sure. than it ever oh, has been. Fully agree. That's actually the, I don't have really any regrets about anything in my life, except 
I wish I would have started earlier. Yes. Because- twenty nineteen TikTok. Yeah. I wish I would have started 10 accounts. Bro, just, oh I mean, bro, God. you'd be at 5 million. I'd be at over a million easily yeah, if we easily. started one or two years earlier. Because there were so, because everyone that's on TikTok today, most of them were on TikTok back then, but everyone was afraid of posting. There was a few people who had like, this is what I- think there's a few people that had no friends so no one to shit talk them so they just were like fuck it i have nothing to yeah. lose and they started posting and you know those that, were the guys that became big you, TikTok. you know that and we talked about this earlier that it's like if, if you were to go out there and try and do a trend you didn't have any followers and people saw it you were going to get clowned for it you know what i mean 100%. <laughs> so and it's like getting over that fear and that's why it's just so important to anybody like watching it's like you just you got to get over that that fear because yeah. it's like like you said you've built a channel with hundreds of thousands of followers like just like i have it's like once you have that people can't say anything to you about how corny you are because it's like bro the results speak for themselves we've the, the millions of views the millions of likes it's like that speaks for itself and once you get there it's like can't nobody say anything to you they really can't they could try but it's it looks dumb i was at a, i was visiting some boys the other day i was at a little pregame and uh this like dude that i had known in college i was never really friends with him but he uh what did he say to me he's like oh mr tiktoker and it was like in a condescending way and i was like Oh yeah. And I yeah. just looked at him and I smiled and I nodded my head and he was like, I mean, yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean it like that. I mean, I just, I, I've been drinking a lot today. Sorry, bro. He like yeah. apologized immediately, but people did definitely like no one ever to my face somewhere right. like you, but people did talk shit behind my back for sure. I'm it, sure it, it of would it. probably get back um, to you in one way or another. Yeah. You know. But, and I would hear and I'd be like, all right, they didn't say it to my face because yeah. they didn't, they didn't. You know, they know the better. They know better. Yeah. yeah. Um, but okay. So I have another question kind of on that, on that topic. Um, I think a lot of people tend to think that wealthy and successful individuals are like evil. A I think it's a disease of, of poor people um, assuming that somebody else with more than them is bad or evil. They like the rich are evil. The rich don't want us to succeed. In my personal experience, if you just come at it the right way, people with the most are usually willing to give the most. Whereas like I know a lot of individuals who have nothing, who are extremely bitter and, and sour and, and like, get away from me. But then I, I know a lot of successful individuals that are like, yeah, I'm happy to help you out. Just like, let me know what you need. You know, you've talked to, once again, thousands of them. What's your opinion on that? In your experience, are wealthy people, um, what's the word? Do you, do you feel like they're like the the wealthier the people the more willing they are to help you out a lot yeah. of the time. Now there are going to be those times where people that it's like they've made it, they fucked off, they're like they're they've they don't really want to necessarily give back. But I've found that especially like there's some of the most inviting people, some of the people that are the biggest connectors that they really want to find a way to to help you succeed because they because what it was is is they were once where you were exactly so it's like when they see that as long as you have that ambition and the drive and they can see that that you really are wanting to be successful they and people will take you places that money can't i'm a big believer in that and the 100%. more that you can get around like the proximity of money the more that you can get around cities like austin i'm a huge advocate of like leaving your hometown genuinely get around money because if you go to if you go and you live at a city like miami right Everywhere you look around, there's billions of dollars, billion dollar buildings. You go to a coffee shop, the chances of there being a billionaire there as opposed to being like Des Moines, Iowa, no shade to Iowa. But like I'm saying like if you're from like a small city, it's like 
you got to get out and get around money. And you'll realize that you can just go start a conversation with these people. And a lot of the time, they are more willing to help you than anybody. Success leaves clues. And they are, those are some of the most like willing and able people that are, that they want to help other people around them. Win. Absolutely. And it's usually because they've had a lot, they've gotten a lot of help themselves. So they want to give back. I know I've gotten a lot of help and that's why I try and make content. And obviously like I do benefit from it, but you know, same with you, like you want to try and share as much valuable information as possible. And yeah, if people are just willing to go out and ask, you'll, you'll probably get rejected a lot, but you might find something valuable, but you have to be willing to do it first. And I feel like so many people are unwilling to change anything and everything about their life. And that's what you have to do if you want to be successful, right? It's like, I always say this, if you're a high school basketball player or a high school football player and you want to go play D1 or in the NFL or whatever, you're not going to be training with your high school teammates. Like you're going to be going to camps over the summer with other studs. You're going to be maybe even hiring like a, a private coach if you can, if you have the resources to do so, right? If you want to succeed, you have to be around other successful people. And most of the time, if you're from like a small town, you're not going to find that there. And you need to take that big step and, and move somewhere else. As far as being able to network with other successful people, I personally feel like that all comes down to making yourself the person that people want to meet as opposed to like saying the right thing or acting the right way. What do you think about that? So uh, when it comes to kind of like, just like being able to like meet the right people. Yeah. Or? So many people DM me and say, how do I, so many people DM me and they say, how do I network better? Yeah. How do I, how do I meet the right people to be successful? And my answer is always like, it's not like something you specifically say or like how you word something. It's who you are. Right. Like you need to work on yourself so much to the point where, people can just sense like this is a well put together person. And then the opportunity is kind of just going to come your way. At Absolutely. least that's been my experience. Yeah. Very it's lucky just like you that. said, like take care of what you can at that point in time. Like I'm a big believer in fitness and self-improvement. And it's like, when you go into a room and you're in shape, like people genuinely, they, they want to be around you. They want to talk to you. It's like, if you go in there, you got shit posture, you haven't worked out in three months, your diet's been terrible and you're just, you're out of shape bro. people especially people that are hitting on all cylinders that like take that stuff seriously. It's like, bro, they're going to write you off immediately. You know, when you are around those people too, I've noticed like you have to, sometimes I've been in conversations with people and that like all like, like meet that have, you know, nine figure businesses. It's you, sometimes you just, you just shut up and listen yeah. and take everything in that you can. And a lot, I think that's a big mistake that a lot of people make is that it's like, they're, they're there to try to get that. Expertise. What do I say? What do I say? How can I impress this yes, person? Yes. It's like, no dude, just now, shut up, ask good questions. Yeah. Now when you're trying to close a deal, that's one thing. It's like, never be the one in the room that doesn't say anything because people do note that. And that's super important. Uh, and it's something that I've realized and I've been there before where it's like, oh man, but like, so when, when you're at that point where it's like, okay, you built a relationship and, and you're starting to like collaborate and see like how we can close and you're working with big people. It's like, you, you need a, you got to be able to, to like offer something. There, you know? there does definitely need to be a good balance. That's, that's such a great point that actually, I, I don't even think I've brought this up in any of my content no, yet. Talk about that, bro. Seriously. I, do not be the one in the room that doesn't say anything. Yeah. People will notice it. And I, cause I've noticed it with, with just other people, but just, I'm also a believer that like, sometimes like just shut up and listen. And like, when, when you get into the room, it's like, like when you first get in the room, it's like, that's almost like how you have to be. Um, and, and, and just taking as much, be a sponge and taking as much as you can sure. from them and then apply. But, um, but yeah, I, I was at this, uh, I was at this like entrepreneur retreat dinner the other day. I got invited by, uh, someone I had met through social media. I was the youngest one there. I'm 22. The second youngest guy there was like 27. The oldest guy was 45. Most of these guys, it was all men. 
all of them were like built, like they all worked out. They were all successful in their own fields, everything from health and wellness to tech. Um, and there was a couple of media guys there as well. And that's one thing I noticed is there was the guy who was talking way too much. Essentially, it was like 12 dudes around this big dinner table. And the host, the guy who owned the house, um, asked us like these very poking questions, trying to encourage arguments, trying to encourage um, dialogue and then discourse between everyone. And what I noticed was there was like one or two guys that were talking way too much and it pissed everyone else off. And then there was like one guy who didn't say a single word the entire time. And you have to be right in the middle and there is a good balance. And it's, it's, a, it's a matter of not bragging or flexing or whatever, but in my opinion, it's asking good questions. And then when someone you know answers your question, you give a good response. Like me asking you something about what you do for a living, you answer. And then instead of me trying to like compete with you and, and saying, uh, oh yeah, yeah, me too, me too. A good response could be like, oh, I love that you said that, bro. I completely agree. And then you kind of bring up something on your own, but you do need to find that balance of, you know, not bragging, asking good questions and just getting people to tell you about them, getting them to like you hundred percent. I have a, I have a good question for you. So this is actually one of the questions that was brought up at that entrepreneur retreat dinner. And now I've been implementing it into every single podcast I do. But what is one thing that you hold to be true that everyone else would certainly disagree with? So like, what is one of your deepest beliefs that you're like, if I say this, like most people will be like, no fucking way. Mm. That's a, that's, that's a, it's a very challenging question. That's right? a challenging question to think about on the spot. I like it though. Um, hmm. We may have to come back to this. No worries. Do you want to yeah. hear mine? Yeah. All right. Maybe this will inspire inspire your answer a little bit. But when they asked it, my response was, if you don't have something, you don't deserve it. Mm. And, and it, it's everything in life. It's that beautiful relationship you've always been wanting, right? That, that beautiful wife who like loves you and treats you like the, the amazing guy you are. It's that car you've always wanted, that house. It's those genuine friendships. It's the amount of money in your bank account. It's your career. I truly believe, and some people think, some people think that this is like depressing. I think it's motivating Yeah, because I believe if I don't have something yet, it's, it's just because I don't deserve it. I haven't done enough. And so once again, whatever it is that I'm trying to go for, I think in my mind, if I just keep doing, and if I keep working on myself, if I keep working hard, if I keep sacrificing, I will get that thing. And the fact that I don't have it yet just means I haven't done enough for it, which encourages me and motivates me to work even harder. I love it. You gave me mine, by the way. Okay, let's you hear gave it. Me it. Uh, I'm a big believer um, that no one is coming to save you. And, and, I, and I hate entitlement. And I think a big thing you see in business a lot of the time is someone will hire somebody that ends up fucking something up and they'll be, they'll immediately blame that person. It doesn't matter what they did. It's your fault. You hired them. I and it, it's, I'm a huge believer in, in taking responsibility and, and, and realizing that when I go back to saying like, no one's coming to save you, is it like, 
Nobody's coming to hand you the money to do what you want to do. It's like, like you, you need to take initiative and, and have urgency. There's no urgency anymore. Like in customer service, it's like, it's like, I'm, I'm tired of just like people that just, they don't move. They got to act. Yeah. And this is something that Grant Cardone talked a lot about when I was like interviewing him. It's just like, you need to like, like if this, if this building were burning down right now, it's like, you would, you would fucking roll, you'd run out of here. And, and it's like super important to like have that, that initiative to, to go and build a life that you want and realize that no one else is going to do it for you. You know, a lot of these massive entrepreneurs, some people, they came from family, but a lot of the time it's like, nah, they just, they acted, they, they, yeah. they took the initiative. And so, um, I'm a huge believer in, in, in knowing that no one is coming to save you. I fully agree with that. And I think a lot of people would disagree with that, which is why it's such a true statement. Yeah. You know, I've had, uh, I've been blessed with the opportunity to meet a lot of really successful people and, and, and same with you. And one thing that I've noticed is all of the really successful people that seem like they just have it figured out. I never hear them complain. Whereas on the opposite side of the spectrum, I've also met a lot of people that are like, I can't catch a break and and like, and this person screwed me over. And I even have some family members who like have started businesses or, or tried to do something. And they're like, yeah, they screwed me over this and, and taxes that and all this. And all they do is complain. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, you are such a negative person. Like all you do is bitch and moan. Of course, opportunity hasn't yeah. come your way. Like why would it want to be around? I think of opportunity as like a, phys a physical person. If you are a negative, like just complainer, why would it want to be around you? Why would it want to give you any, anything and help you? Yeah. And you, you, that's the thing is you have to be attractive to money. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's just like you said, like, like if, if you're, oh, what was me? You're, the world's going to pass you by. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the thing is like, I feel like, especially like younger people, they're, they feel like super entitled that like they're owed this because someone else Everyone's has it, entitled you know? these days. Crazy, crazy. So like, yeah, I, I think that that would probably be something that I would like, like I would die on that hill yeah. that, uh, that I'm, I'm a big believer in that, especially like taking ownership. Yeah. Like, like you, you, somebody messed up in your business. You're the one that hired that person. So at the end of the day, what could you have done better? Not, don't look at them. You know that, you know what they could have done, but like genuinely, like you, you were the root of it though. You brought that person in. Like, what could you have done better to fix that? And I see, that's the thing. I had this, uh, my, my, co my college essay actually was titled blame yourself. Mm. And it pretty much explained exactly what you're saying. Like everything that goes wrong in your life, even if it really wasn't attributed to you, maybe it was bad luck. Try and figure out a way of why and how you can blame it on you. And like, I, I made a video this one time where I said, if you get cheated on, it's your fault. And so many people got mad. They were like, that's the fucking dumbest thing I've ever heard. Nah. It's your fault you picked a bad person <laughs> and you know, you did like, and I've been cheated on before I, right. I picked someone, I ignored red flags mm -hmm. and that's, a, that's, that's my fault. Point. And I, I can either complain about her. Oh, that girl's a bitch. And she did this to me and that, and then it'll happen again. But if I take ownership and I say like, you know what? I ignored red flags. I saw this coming. I chose to uh, see it through because I wanted to give someone a chance or I thought it couldn't happen to me because of my ego and my, you know, uh, my pride, then it'll happen again if I, if I don't take accountability. So I fully agree with you on that. Um, let's move to the next question. I have another good one. Yeah. I think so many people out there like see a guy like you and they're like, damn, bro, you're young. You're making a ton of money. You're really successful. What does it take to get there? What have you had to sacrifice? I know when we were at lunch a second ago, I was kind of asking you about like, you know, what, what a part of your life have you, what part of your life have you had to put on hold? 
Um, did you feel like you missed out on anything? What, what does it take? I have lost my fucking mind. And I mean that. And, and if you look at any like massive entrepreneur, I loved, I think Musk is a perfect example, but you can go levels below him at his level. They've lost their mind to, to building what they're doing. And in the sense of like with us, we always say it's like we've lost our mind to the street interview culture to where no matter where I went, whether I went to Jersey Mike's subs and ice cream shop, I would see someone in there that looked like they had something to say. And I would pull him out from when he was eating with his family to interview that person. That's what you have. That's what it takes ultimately. And, and for us, we loved creating the content. We loved that kind of like, you know, it just, it wasn't normal. That's what it was. It wasn't normal. But we realized that like, oh man, if we pulled this guy out, that this guy could get a couple hundred thousand views. This guy could get a million views. So I think that you almost have to lose your mind to doing something what you love. You're building a, a clothing brand, a podcast, a, a media company, a personal brand. Like you have to like get almost sick about it. It's like, if you think about like the people that make it to like, the, the MLB, right? Every every little kid wants to be a professional baseball player when they grow up. The, the, the kids who made it to the MLB, they were sick in the head, like genuinely, like, yeah. like, like you could ask them, it's like, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a professional baseball player. No, but like, if that doesn't work out, like, what are you going to be? I'm going to be a professional baseball yeah, player. Yeah, 100%. I like, love that you said that. Yeah, that's, that's you, so you have, true. that's, and it, it could, that goes with any sport, but just any person at that level is like, you have to like, in a sense, I always, I love that. It's like, you have to lose your mind a little bit yeah. to, to whatever you're doing. Um, you have to be delusional in a yes, way. Yes, absolutely. You have to have such delusion that like, you in your mind, I'm sure you feel the same way, but in your mind, no matter what anyone says to you, you could even have someone like Grant Cardone or Mark Cuban tell you to your face, you're not cut out for this, bro. And in your head, you would probably think like, this guy's such an idiot, bro. Yeah. I'm so going to make it. Like yeah. you have this unwavering delusion or confidence in a way, but other people will label it yeah. delusion. I love that. I love, no, delusion is, is very true. But I, I think beyond that, it, it definitely does come down to sacrifice. You know, I was going to uh, one of the top public universities in the country and you know, all the times always invited out to like the bars or Big clubs party or parties school. and stuff like tons massive of fun, tons of distractions. School. Yeah. And it was just like, to me, I knew I wanted more. I didn't, I never liked the concept of the four-year experience. I always grew up hearing cousins and people tell me, oh man, you're gonna have the best four years in your life. No, the best four years of my life is going to be when I'm in Italy off the Amalfi coast. Like, oh, yeah. on God, it's like, no, that's the best years are ahead. And I've always believed that. And again, I attribute a lot of that to seeing the world at an early age that it always made me want more. It made me want to be able to do that whenever. I didn't want to have to ask a boss for permission for a week out of the year and, and ask for some unpaid leave to, to go see another country. It's like the only way that you're going to be able to do that is if you truly like build something yourself. So I think, um, you know, just, just sacrificing, giving up, cutting the play, you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, and ha having like real like urgency with, with, with what we were doing and, and trying to build it just, and just being more consistent than, than anybody I know. It doesn't matter where I would be. I could be on a train in an airport, especially like when I was starting out on my main account, not even hard knocks, I would get three posts up every single day. I didn't miss a day for 120 days in a row. And that's just, that's what it takes, honestly. There's no days off. I think that's what so many people get wrong is they, they see like someone young with money or whatever. And they think, damn, that looks so cool. There's no days off. Like you work every day, all day, I'm assuming, right? All day. There's times but you like I'm, it though. There's times where I'm up packaging a YouTube video to like four or 5 a.m. Oh yeah. It doesn't matter if I was with the girl that night. Like, like I don't care where I am. Like I'm getting it done. And mm -hmm. it's like, if I don't get, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, yeah. I, I, now I say that I'm a big believer in like, you need rest to sleep to perform at like a high level, but that's the mentality that you have to have and have ingrained in you that like, if, if you say you're going to get something done by then to your team, get it done. I don't care Absolutely. if it's late. I don't care if you have to sacrifice or struggle, like, like you, you, you you owe that to them. You owe that to your team to like get that done. So I'm a big a big believer in that. Hell yeah, dude! And have you seen 
I mean, you're obviously doing very well. How does your brand make money right now? You kind of explained it to me earlier, but could you go over it again? Like, what are all the different ways that your your channel and your personal brand bring in income? Absolutely. So, you know, we started out the channel. Um, you know, you don't have a, a ton of followers, a big brand or big credibility. So, you know, we relied pretty heavily on like ad revenue. And even then when you're first starting out, you're not making a lot, but we were very savvy with getting into a lot of like lucrative, like monetization programs. So for example, people don't realize, but like I was, I think it was no jumper the company owned by Adam 22. Oh, yeah. They yeah. make a million dollars a month off of Facebook every single month. Really? And people off don't, of views. Off of just Facebook ad revenue. There's That's some wild. CPMs and RPMs on Facebook that will pay you more than than YouTube. So you could literally, for a, for a five, six minute video on Facebook, get paid more dollars per thousand views than you could offer like a YouTube video. So when you realize that, it's like a lot of these platforms, they're competing against one another to keep creators creating content. Because at the end of the day, like take Facebook, that's the only shot that they have of being relevant. Because I know that once our parents' generations, like our generation is not going to be on Facebook. They're not, unless they innovate. And that's what they have to do. So what are they doing? They're trying to give money to creators. So it's, it's, being diversified with your content. So we would post on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, everything. And another thing too is like even Snapchat, they had Spotlight. I there I had a couple of videos where I'd make 10,000 bucks off of a short form video because I, I would Snapchat pay. Snapchat pays a lot of fucking money and that's the thing. So make sure that A you're diversified on every platform. So ad revenue was big brand deals. Um, you know, we did a lot of brand deals. Being in our niche, you know, we'd have software companies, we'd have tech companies, tech startups, real estate brokerages that would, so you're going to get a lot better like brand deals with those types of companies. It's just like you're, the niche that you're in is going to pay you a lot more if it's a, a business type niche Definitely. as opposed to like a beauty or fitness, right? Because the people that are advertising, they have a lot more money and they know that it's more legit viewers. Um, so ad revenue was huge, brand deals, a little bit of game to people. But like, if you are looking for brand deals, right, a big thing that people I see that where they really go wrong is when they reach out to brands, they make it about me, 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 me. You want to make it about them as much as possible. So when you're reaching out to them, you talk about, yes, how the brand fits into your life, but how ultimately you're going to give them the best return. So we've had a lot of inbound brand deals. We've worked with uh, some cool brands um, and and have landed some, some pretty like big uh, brand deals over the last like two years. Um, and then recently, because... Uh, you know, ad revenue is great. Brand deals are great. I'm a big believer that you, your monetization needs to get off the platform because TikTok could go tomorrow and then boom, we lose a million followers. And just like anybody that has a big platform on there, that could be gone. Dude, Dude it did. Right. It just changed. Here, yeah. I'll let you finish up and then I'll explain. Yeah. Wait, TikTok or? Yeah. Okay. Wait, here, do you want to, do you want to finish what you're saying? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll finish. And then I want, I got to hear this, but, uh, but um, you can literally, that platform can be gone and, uh, and, and, and you, a, lose all the data on your audience, but then that stream of income, if that's what you're planning on monetizing off of, is gone. So getting off the platforms and whatever that may be. So for us, we started like an agency. So because we've generated over 900 million views in three years, we know that we can scale just about any type of content because we've done, I've done fitness stuff. I've done a ton of different stuff on my personal content that I've been able to go viral and we scaled other accounts. And so we found that personal brands were really our like bread and butter and helping these entrepreneurs that they are great businessmen. And this is another thing too, is what I've learned 90% of the time, great content creators are terrible businessmen. Great businessmen are terrible content creators. And you see this a lot. Why do you think all these like eight and nine figure entrepreneurs, they have several hundred thousand fake followers. I think that that is the most fucked up and, and dumbest thing ever. All, you, you know, all the entrepreneurs that, that have like a hundred, yeah. they have a hundred K. They've, they've never gotten a video to get a thousand views in their life. Dude, I get fake, followed. Bro. I get followed probably five times a day by yeah. some, and you know, I know it's fake right away when it says I help 
I help seven and eight figure entrepreneurs like achieve this yeah, or whatever. And they get like uh, 70 likes on that. Yeah. Video. You go through their video. They have, yeah, they have 339,000 followers. And then, you go, and then you go, there's one this morning that did that. And then you go and you look at their, yeah, go look through their videos, 79 likes. All, yeah, exactly. It's deception, like, bro. I think it's disgusting in my opinion. Like just how much people are like, dude, there's so many it. fucking fakes out there these yeah. days, bro. And it's hard to, it's hard to know. You really have to like look deep sometimes because people are getting really good at it. Yeah. Um, but uh, about like the, being adaptable thing, I 100% agree. Because even with a platform like TikTok, for example, you know, in my situation, I was getting eight to 10,000 a month yeah. from TikTok from views, which is pretty good for one platform um, at my size. And then all of a sudden they rolled out TikTok shop, mm. right? I'm sure you've heard about TikTok yes. shop. Um, I was getting paid from the creativity program, right? Creative program. I was making all that money. And then as soon as the shop feature comes out, they start pumping shop videos. They start giving less attention to the um, like average over a minute long videos. Right. And they fucking tanked your RPM. Yes. So I went from making eight to 10,000 a month to like 300 bucks this month. Yes. And if you're not able to adapt, you're going to sink. Right. Yes. And so now my video, I had to figure out a way like, okay, I need to make content that's incorporating this shop feature. So I no longer make money off views for TikTok, but instead by like promoting my product and my business a lot. And three months from now, it'll probably change again. So you, it's definitely smart to diversify it and get into different platforms. That's why I'm really starting to hammer out this YouTube thing now. Um, it's also a lot of fun, so I yeah. like it, but uh, you're hundred percent right. I mean, like what different platforms? You're on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, yeah. And you're doing Facebook now too? Yeah. So we have, we just hit over, we hit a, over 100K on YouTube and over a million on TikTok in the same month. We crossed that in this past October. We've got over 700K on Facebook and then we're at like 650K on Instagram. So wow. all of them. And the beautiful thing about that is just that each platform is its own audience, right? When we originally started Hard Knocks, we had set out to target younger people like high school, college. We found the majority of our followers are actually older. They're like 25 to 35. It's that age range of people that they got out into the real world. They didn't take college seriously. They got into a couple of jobs and they're like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? <laughs> so now they're trying to really find uh, actual assets. And we're, we kind of say that we're in the bridging business, right? We're bridging other people to these experts, right? Because people may not necessarily perceive us as like the expert because we're interviewing people, but we're in the bridging business of like bridging people to that, bridging people to those experts to find that. And so prime example, why I'm a big believer in getting on, on all, all platforms is because Facebook, our demographics are going to be late thirties to 40 year old people. Instagram's going to be more millennials, like, you know, mid to late twenties to, you know, thirties. And then TikTok's going to be perhaps a bit younger, but still within that, say older twenties. And then there's still percentages of like high school, college kids that follow, but it's just, I mean, and that's the whole reason why we set out to target the younger kids is because it, there's so much crap on social media genuinely. Um, and that like, the way that people, it's its those quick dopamine hits that they like, but it's like, if we could find a way to provide some like value for for people yeah. to where they could actually like get something like out of it. It's like, we wanted to be able to do that. Dude, and I think you guys are doing a great job. I think the, I mean, when TikTok started, it was all dancing and, and music sounds and whatever, because yeah. it was musically. But now there's so many different subsec subsections under the umbrella of TikTok. You have like fitness TikTok, you have, uh, you still have your dancing and trend TikTok. Yeah. You have entrepreneurship TikTok, which is what you and I are both a part of. Um, and I think it's really growing. I think people are really finding it valuable. I, I've been meaning to ask you actually, you guys don't sell like a course or anything, right? No. Okay, so I think that's actually sick. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with a course if you're really providing value, but there's so many fake ones out there. Mm. And honestly, you could make, with your audience, yeah. if you guys, 
made a course that was like, I've interviewed a thousand plus millionaires. Like this is what I've learned. You charge 199 bucks for it. You'd be a multimillionaire in 48 hours. I guarantee it. uh, But I really respect that you guys haven't done that. So, so we, we actually did build a course on how to go from zero to a hundred thousand followers in a year. It's a long course. There's a Mm -hmm. ton of value in it. Um, we've been really hesitant to push, you know, I, I'm not necessarily against like the, the courses. The problem is, is that whole like guru, the wisdom economy, as yeah. I like to call it. I like to call it the wisdom economy is coaching businesses. It got such a bad reputation because what would happen is, is you'd have people that would build e-commerce stores and they would make significantly more money selling the course on how to build and grow a store. And they never really built a profitable e-commerce store. And I always had a problem with that. And I just never There's liked- a lot of guys. I, I, I never liked the rep that it, that it got. And so even with us is like, you know, and people genuinely hate people that sell courses because they just think that they're scammers. And I've met some extremely successful people that have legitimately built and exited companies that now they sell something. Anytime people like see that we'll like interview someone that is selling something, they immediately, it's like, no, red flag. So that's why like we really have to find a healthy balance when we're interviewing people of like interviewing those like old finance guys, the old oil and gas guys, the old money that aren't, because people, people love that. People yeah. like that. Where it's like the younger people that may be selling something or people, they, they that that raises a lot of red flags. There's a couple guys that ruined it for everybody. Yes. And they introduced, who was the first one? Ty Lopez. Ty Lopez. Yeah. yeah, Ty, yeah he comes to Ty Lopez. I <laughs> love that you knew that right away. Dude, yeah, here in my garage, he started a pandemic. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> he, started, he started a pandemic that has infected everybody. And, you know, there's a lot to gain from it. Like, I'm a huge believer in like, if you can get good information from someone, pay them, yeah. right? If I, if I could pay Mark Cuban $10,000 to sit down with him for an hour and a half, two hours, I would totally do it. I'd write out the best list of questions and I would, I'd record the whole thing. So not only I could get value, but my, my people could get value too. my audience. That's totally worth it in my mind, but you just never know. You never know if a course is legit or not until you buy it and then you could be fucked. So, but that brings up kind of my last question. We're almost done here. What is next for you personally and for the School of Hard Knocks. Yeah, so long-term, the, the the big thing for the School of Hard Knocks is to, to really build the uh, the Barstool Sports of Business content. It's gonna oh, happen. Yeah, so that. with that, we've got about 2.3 million collective followers now. I think a lot of things that people get wrong about Barstool is Barstool is not a media company, they're a media ownership company. So essentially 95% of the content that they put out, they do not create. So what they've done is they built the parent company, the Barstool Sports, and they find young talent to run all these different subpages. So what we're gonna do at Hard Knocks is the main channel's got 2.3 million followers, get to three to five to 10 million. And as we're doing that, go get other young talent, bring them in to build out Hard, uh, hard Knocks uh, Finance, Hard Knocks Sports, where you're talking about the contracts and the business side of sports, uh, Hard Knocks, uh, whatever. And like, just build out hard, hard Knocks Real Estate, right? Build out tons of subpages and, and build a massive media empire that's that's able to to where you can build that out in the newsletters and you start to just own all this data on your audience where you could eventually sell that for a couple hundred million dollars. Because that's the Easily. thing is like newsletters and media companies, they exit for like 10 to 15 X, whereas like an agency can maybe sell for like two to three X, like the revenue that it's doing. So whereas like an agency, and that's what we're running now is great for like short-term cash flow. Um, it's it's a lot harder to like, you're not gonna be able to, you can grow an agency, but it's gonna be harder to like sell and like live off that for the rest of your life. You know what I mean? Whereas like if you can build out a legit media empire, own all the data, vertically integrate it into all the different, you know, things that you can do, then you can, you know, do, do something like crazy with that. I think as far as, um, like what's next for us? We have some huge collabs coming. I don't, I don't, I won't say anybody just because like, I, I am a big believer that like, 
don't make plans, make moves. So make it happen. And then, and then it'll, it'll speak for itself. But like, you know, there's always times where like things could get set up or, and then it just doesn't come into fruition. Yeah. But, but as long as you tap him with the school of hard knocks, you know, people, people will see it for sure. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Well, yeah, you guys should definitely go check out his page. I mean, it's, it's a gold mine of information. Yeah. I think that's a brilliant method just for going to the next level. And I was actually talking, um, I'm thinking about starting a, a marketing slash media agency yeah. as well our, ourselves. with three other guys just reached out to me a few yeah. days ago and, and we're planning it out right now. And they brought up a really good point. They said um, that the two types of businesses that can create billion dollar um, companies right now are obviously tech. Everyone mm -hmm. knows that. But yeah, media, media is the, is the big thing right now. And unfortunately, so many brilliant and smart minds only go into tech, right? And it leaves a lot of opportunity out there for media because kind of like you said earlier, once again, people that know how to grab views, know how to grab the attention of people suck at business. Yes. So it's very rare when you get a guy like yourself that can do both of them. So I think that's incredibly impressive. And uh, dude, I can't wait to see where you guys go. I mean, yeah. it's already it's already at a huge level. I mean, the fact that you guys started this, what, two and a half years ago? Yes, bro. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's inspiring to me because I'm, I'm a year and a half right now in um, and I'm I'm getting to the point where I'm now fully diving in, expanding to other platforms. It's it's not just like short raw form yeah. content on TikTok, but other stuff. Um, yeah, dude, I can't wait to I can't wait to see what happens. And uh, you know, that's the that's the beautiful thing about like doing a podcast and shit is even though I get this content that I can post, I get to meet so many cool people and become friends with them. And I honestly treat it as like a, a way to make connections and network myself. And then if it gets views on YouTube or something, that's kind of yeah. the benefit. So yeah, I think that's a perfect way to end it. Um, actually, I'll ask you one more question. For someone out there who's our age, younger, little older, and they have no idea where or how to start, and they're just like, I don't want to be like everybody else. I don't want to go this traditional route. What is the first step? Great question. And I'll, I'll give a, a blueprint right now. Uh, my best advice that I always give to people, and it's one of my favorite quotes that I've ever heard, is take the risk or lose the chance. And and I'm a big believer in, yeah. in the third door policy. So you go to a nightclub and you try to get in through the front. They're not letting guys in. You go to the back door. You try to go to that like side door to try and get in with the side bound so he doesn't let you in. You better find a fucking third way in. Third door third door your way into opportunities. You know what I mean? And, 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 and genuinely, like I brought up take the risk or lose the chance because the most successful people in the world you look at the uh, the top people on like the Fortune 500 list, they are willing to go into the negatives, negative millions of dollars. If they, they've been interviewed on this genuinely and they all are, are willing to go into the negatives in order to be successful. Um, so it's, it's having that risk aversion. That's what really separates people apart when it comes to staying in the middle class and then actually like building wealth. Beyond that, um, you know, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett were asked separately, like in different rooms, what was the number one thing that made them successful? And it was focus. Yeah. So it really is finding, um, something that you really do that you like and enjoy understanding the skills that you need and then finding a way to, uh, provide, you know, value. But something that you brought up earlier, you brought up a, a great quote that I, that I love. And it, this comes down to like, when you do actually start, um, is I would much rather have a slice of the pie than, or let me say this again. I'd, I'd rather have 
uh, a slice of the pie than like 100% of the grape, right? Yeah. And I'm a big believer in that. And like, you have to learn that number one best advice that I've ever received that's changed my business, that's changed everything that we've done, delegate to elevate. You need to learn how to delegate, right? And and whether that's joint venture. So for example, if you're a content creator and that's your bread and butter, focus on content. If you want to, being in social media and in content, like you said, you're always going to have people coming to you, pitch you to do, to do this brand deal, to do this affiliate deal, to, to sell this product or whatever it may be. Like I'm all about like vertically integrating your business to like doing like merch and stuff like that. But like, if you know that your bread and butter is content, like do a joint venture with somebody that's built a successful e-commerce store, that's built a successful apparel brand. Like if you're, if you're trying to like do all these different things, you're going to forget about what got you to the point that got you there when you do find that initial success and you're, it's not going to work. And then I guess I'll kind of end on this. I know this has been all over the place. It's a little bit no, of a blueprint good. right here, but uh, this is a advice. I posted a video, I think on this recently, but like, do you know where the most valuable piece of real estate is? Is it in your head? It's in graveyards because oh. there's billion dollar ideas sitting in the ground, oh, sitting in the grave go. of people that never that took before. action. You know what I mean? And so that you, it's, it's like, you have to act like you can, you can watch all the podcasts. You can watch, read all the books that you want, but the people that implement the people that act, those are the people that make a difference that make a change. And so, um, that's kind of like the blueprint that I would do. Where I would just say, focus, act, get in, you know, find third door your way in, do oh, whatever yeah. it really takes to be successful. Uh, and I think that, that you'll Dude, be that's fine. Perfect. Okay. So let's go take risks, yeah. focus. Yeah. Already. I got you. Take the risk or lose the chance. Uh, you know, delegate. Delegate to elevate, automate your business, right? Because, and this is another thing too that Grant Cardone preached is great people, in order to get great people to come work for you, you got to get bigger, right? If you have 30 employees, you have a problem. If you have three employees, you have a problem. Walmart has 30,000 employees. They don't have a problem. You've got you've to bring it bigger. Great people, success attracts success. And the, the bigger that you can get, the more people that you're going to attract into your ecosystem. So it's it's genuinely like you got to find a way to grow. Like he he told us, it was the three of us that went out to see him. And he said that he goes, yes, it's just you three. And he goes, yeah, you guys got a problem. Because <laughs> which it, at the That's time, funny. it's like, you know, going into that, it's like, you know, you think you're doing good, but yeah. he's absolutely right. Yeah. And that's the thing too. I'll end on this one. The absolute most successful people that I've ever been around. They could be worth, they've got businesses that are going to do two, 300 million this year, little net, low nine figures, or little net, high eight figures. They are the most uncomplacent people that I know. Meaning it's like, they're just never satisfied. They mm -hmm. always want more. And you always hear people talk about, man, how I really want to make a hundred thousand dollars this year. It's like, start thinking about how you can make a hundred million. And then I guarantee you, you're going to make at least a million. Like yeah. you're going to, you're, you're, you know, you shoot for the stars, you land on the moon or you shoot for the moon. You're going to at least land on a star. Yeah. And so I think like, like thinking bigger, that's like, it's, you got to audit, audit your beliefs and find a way to, you know, the most successful people, they're normal people like us. A lot of them are dumber. They just figured it out. They, took they action. acted, they acted, they figured it out and they took action. Take risk, uh, build a team, focus, Delegate. take action. Yes, yes. I think that's perfect. And the last guy I had on said the same thing. He said, he asked me, he said, what's the number one reason that uh, businesses fail or succeed? And I said, what? He goes, they don't hire, they don't fire. Mm. So it's the kind yeah, of- Yes, and here perfect. it is, ready, ready. This is, this is it. This is golden right here on the lines of that. Fire yourself from the business. You have to fire yourself. If you oh, yeah. are in content, you can't be editing videos. You know, if, if you have to film, I, I understand that, but like all the delegate minimum wage That's something activities. I'm trying to get better at myself. Listen, I'm finally listen, figuring listen, that out. Delegate MWAs, delegate minimum wage activities. Then when you can do that and just focus on high level, high income producing things, bro, that is, that is the golden thing, but fire yourself from the business.
business. Oh, that yeah. is, that's the best advice. But I don't care if you're growing an agency. I don't care if you're doing content, if you're an e-com, you need to fire yourself and just bring other people in to, to do those things, you know? Fuck yeah. Dude, perfectly said. Well, yeah, guys, School of Hard Knocks, James Dumoulin. I said that right again, right? James Dumoulin. Dumoulin. That's, that's Sorry, James I like Dumoulin. I like James it. Dumoulin. Yeah. I'm going to add him in the description of the video. You guys got to go check out all of his pages. Dude, pleasure having you on. This has been yeah. absolutely amazing. I learned a lot myself once again. I love it. Hope everybody watching learned a lot. Um, but yeah, we'll catch you guys in the next one. Uh, subscribe, leave a like. Make sure to leave a comment if there's anything that you feel like we didn't touch. That way I can try and get to that next time. But uh, fuck yeah, brother. Appreciate Thanks you, brother. again Had for coming time, on. Man. Thank Peace, you. Peace, guys.